Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and joining me today is Debbie Ash, financial professional and owner of Ashbridge Financial Solutions. Thank you for joining me, Debbie. Thank you, Amy, for having me today. Oh, so excited to let the listeners hear your story. Um, you've, if you've listened to any of my podcasts, you probably know it's my favorite question of all. I love hearing the backgrounds. Um, I'm passionate about this industry, and I love letting our listeners hear the different ways and avenues um, that they can take to get into our business. So let's start with you. Walk us through your journey and how you got into the financial services. So it started with a series of life transitions. Um, I was divorced. My father passed away and I just thought it was time for a change. I felt like that I was going to hit my glass ceiling and what I was doing. And so I, I was ready to move. So I um, picked up everything and I moved to North Carolina. I didn't have a job. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have a spouse. I didn't have anything. But And there's a whole story behind how I picked North Carolina, which we can get into in another time. But um, I just picked up and moved out here to um, start something fresh. And um, being someone who was very involved in the Chamber of Commerce, I reached out to the Chamber and I met with the president of the Raleigh Chamber and the president of the Durham Chamber. And I said, how do I get connected? And so they just started introducing me to people and I would go have coffee with that person. And then they'd tell me somebody else I needed to meet. And through a series of about 30 days, I probably met a hundred people. But one of them I met who stood out was a financial advisor. And his, his why was helping professionals that were in job transition, try and figure out what their next step was. And so I sat down with him and we talked and he made some introductions for me, but he kept saying, Debbie, why don't you think about this as a career? And I kept saying, nope, 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 nope. And I kept deflecting him, but he kept bringing me back and kept giving me more value. And we just kept talking. And eventually I said, all right, tell me why, tell me your why. So he told me his why. And then I went, that's a lot like my why. I want to help people. And I said, but I don't want to be a used car salesman. And he just laughed at me. And he said, there are people in this industry who absolutely are. He said, but Debbie, you have a passion. And he said, I don't think you could sell ice to Eskimos. You could only help people that you care about. And so I said, all right, let me think about it. And I did a lot of praying and a lot of pluses and minuses and, and, and Googling what really is a financial advisor. And I finally went back to him and I felt like I was eating humble pie. And I said, all right, I'm in. I'm in. I'm ready to become a financial advisor. So that's how I got into it eight years ago, almost nine years ago. I was just going to ask that. So eight or nine years ago, and then talk about what you were doing before that. What was the transition from, you know, a lot of our advisors, not a lot, a fair number of them, you know, stumble into this very early on in life, but a lot of favorite stories are the ones that are more second career type or, you know, the, a different journey to your point. So talk about what you were doing before then. So I had started out in marketing and business administration and met a guy go figure, and um, ended up getting married, and I ended up working for a commercial construction company, and it was supposed to be just for two years. I was going to um, work for this company while my husband went back to college to finish his degree, and then we were going to go do something else. Well, that two years turned into a 10-year career working for a small commercial construction company, and I started out as 
opening the mail and and um, doing some data entry all the way to where I was uh, office manager of that company before I left it. But quickly on, starting with that company, I realized that they were missing something. They didn't have employee benefits. And so I felt like that they needed to do something different. So I sat down with the owner of the company and I said, Bob, you must, you must, you must. You must do benefits. Your key employees are leaving the company because you're not taking care of them. And he said, well, like what? I said, well, I think we need a 401k. We need some health insurance, some paid days off. And how about an employee handbook? We didn't even have that. So I ended up putting together a plan with a financial advisor and with all the other players that I needed in the team, brought it together and said, this is what we should do. And he said, all right, but who's going to be in charge? And I said, I guess I will. So I became a self-appointed HR manager of a 50-person construction company. Looking back, that was really where I first got started in financial planning, even though that still wasn't my career. Um, fast forward from there, I worked for him for 10 years. Then I became vice president of a steel fabrication company. Then I went on to own a steel fabrication company. And then um, I went on to work as uh, vice president of two other larger commercial construction companies. Uh, but always, there was always this piece, no matter what my job title was or my role, there was always this piece about helping people. Because I've always felt that the employees are the backbone of your business. You take care of them and everything works like it's supposed to. So that's kind of how I got into it um, and kind of my backstory with it. And so when I met um, I met this financial advisor in North Carolina. He was like, Debbie, come do this. You're you've already been doing it. <laughs> you've already been doing it. You're just not licensed yet. And I can help you with that. Yeah, because a big part of your role, like you just said with employees, is to talk about goals and what they want to do with their life and not just the finances, right? Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Fascinating. So how about the independent space? Did you spend, I'm not sure, maybe you mentioned this, but let's go into a little bit more detail. Like what segment of the industry was that person in when you first got started? Did you start from scratch in the independent space or did you eventually evolve to that? Yeah. So um, the guy I met was an independent financial advisor with Cambridge. But he was working in a small team, and what they were trying to do was to bring a bunch of independent financial advisors together to share staff and resources and to work collaboratively, yet independently. So he mentored me. He said, come work with, with us, not for me, but with us. Help me get set up as my own entrepreneur from day one, as an independent from day one with Cambridge. And But he mentored me to be able to figure out a niche and how to do it and offered me the staff and the resources. And so that's how it got started. So it was, it was independent from day one. I did, before I said yes to him, I did go uh, check out a couple of captives and I talked to them and talked about what they had to offer. And I went, if I'm doing this, I'm doing independent. So it's been Cambridge from day one. That's awesome. Somewhat unique. I mean, you did have a support system, but um, a lot of times people are a little intimidated by the idea of being fully independent from day one. And they do choose to go ca the captive route. So congratulations on just jumping in with both feet and um, you know, 
<laughs> and picking Cambridge. We are we are very lucky that you did that for sure. You're an important part of our family. And so what does the business look like today? Would you define yourself as a solo inside of that team? Or what? tell us what your business looks like and, and what your support system looks like. Okay. So we, so we started out in that model and then my mentor retired shortly after that. And so things kind of changed and a few of the other financial advisors went a different direction. And so, um, one of the, one of the people I was working with and myself started another group. And so there's four of us, uh, working independently, but yet together with staff and resources, but also the bigger picture that we've always had since day one was to bring in some strategic partners into our group. So meaning that we wanted to have accountants, we wanted to have estate attorneys, we wanted to have insurance, property and casualty insurance agents, and, and possibly even um, going into coaches as part of our group. So we have an office here um, that's a 10-person office, and we've got all of those resources now combined under one roof. Every one of them is independent. They have their own business, their own business model, their own clientele. But we we offer introductions to all those people for our clients so that we can be more comprehensive and more of a one-stop shop. And so I love it. Great. That's a great model. I'm, I'm assuming the type of client you attract that resonates with them Absolutely. where they can, you know, build trust. You're almost acting like the quarterback perhaps and, and telling them. Yeah. Yeah. So talk about where do you find your clients? What kind of client do you like to work with? And um, are you selective? What happens when you run into somebody that you don't think would be a good fit? Yeah. So um, in the very beginning, I thought with my construction background that I was going to work with men. I wanted to work with um, construction men. I wanted to work with the owner of the HVAC contractor, the electrician, the plumber. I wanted to work with the small business owners. Um, and I was trying to get into that world, but I moved to North Carolina from Kansas and I didn't, I didn't have those connections out here. And so as I was meeting with my mentor and I was telling him about how I was trying to get into this, this world, he kept saying, Debbie, look over your shoulder. He said, you're chasing the men, but the women are chasing you. He said, they're, they want you. They're asking for your help. I said, yeah, yeah, I'm helping them. He goes, no, 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 you don't get it. That, that's your niche. Those are your people. That's your tribe. Those are the ones you need to help. And so he was pretty smart and I hate to admit it, but he was pretty smart. And so I did, I turned around and went, okay, I can help them. So I've, I've been very, um, I market towards women and what I want to help are women that are going through a life transition. Um, I've been there. I've done it. I have the empathy for it. I have the understanding of it. And so that's really an important um, thing that I've been trying to build is that, is that environment so that I can help them. And so a lot of times the ideal client for me is that woman who comes in the door that she had a partner, she had a husband, he helped her. They went through, they did financial planning together. They had a financial advisor, but now he's not in the picture and she's not sure she can do it on her own. She needs some help. So I can bring her in. I can, I can hold her hand. I can drag her along. I can prod and push her a little bit if she needs it. And I can make the introductions to the other people to help her get off center for, and, to, and to make the smart decisions in her life where she is right now. 
Talk about your marketing. You said you market to women. How does what does that look like? Are you do you have certain venues? Do you do events? Where, where are you finding your clients? So a lot of them come from referrals now. Um, you know how that builds over time. Um, I am involved in several women only groups, so I find I find women through those. But I also found that it did not work for me to go to like the chamber events and those kind of networking events where there was already a bunch of other financial advisors. Fascinating. Well, thank you for sharing that. What other kinds of market? Do you have any other marketing tools that you use um, in addition to that that supplement it? Um, I like I said, I'm um, involved in several um, women only groups. And then I belong to a couple of the country clubs around here, too. And so uh, networking with them. Doing social That's things great. with people. That's wonderful. Um, so I read on your website that your firm's core values are authenticity, altruism, empathy, empowerment, and trust. Those are some pretty powerful words. Mm-hmm. Explain how your core values represent who you are as a business owner, your firm, um, and as a financial professional, like what, do, what, what should a client, if that resonates with them, um, take away from that? So our core values are something that this whole group put together um, for, and not just myself. We all sat down, our team, and we said, these are what's important to us. And so as we brought strategic partners into this group, we've also vetted them through that to make sure that these core values are important to them. Um, and it helps us work together as a team. And it also helps us um, uh, working with our clients. So to me, I think empathy is the place to start. Um, for me, my clients realize when they first meet with me that I'm empathetic to their situation and that I care and I want to help them. I'm genuinely there. I'm part of their team. Um, empowerment I, to me is also very, very, very important. I, because of that ideal client that I want to help, she's not stupid. She's not, she's not incapable. She's just in a place right now where she doesn't trust herself. And so she needs some guidance and some help to empower her to be herself and to be able to trust that what she's doing is right and in her best interest. So of all of those and authenticity, authenticity, I think is very important too. I mean, I'm going to be myself. I want you to be yourself with me too. Let's, let's be real. And, you know, when you're sitting down talking about finances, that's a lot of information that's very personal. And a lot of people, I think, feel like they need to have some of those core values from me before they're going to open up and tell me where they really are and what their fears really are. So it sounds like it starts with some conversations um, where you're drawing out um, a core value alignment, I guess I would say, between you and your clients. And then what happens next? How do you work with them? Do you do, um, you know, is it more of a financial planning based process? Um, And and how do you explain to them what's going to happen from there? So um, we get together and I tell everybody, I said, just meet me for a cup of coffee and let's get acquainted. And let's decide if it makes sense for us to work together. Because I tell people I am not the best financial advisor for everybody, nor is everybody the best client for me. So let's get together and let's have a conversation. Let's see what your fears are, what it is you're trying to accomplish, where briefly where it is that you're starting and briefly what it is you're trying to get to. 
And so if we agree then to move forward, then I feel that they've understood the core values that understand what it is they have to offer and the trust level is there that they're willing to go ahead and tell me everything. So then we dig into it and it's the, you know, where are you financially at the moment? What are, what are the assets you have? What are the liabilities you have? What's the income that comes in the door? What's the outflow every single month? What are the protections that you have in place with insurances? It's, it's a whole conversation about where you are at the moment. And then I tell them, I said, okay, that was the hard part. Let's set that aside. And now let's talk about your goals. What do you want? Where do you see yourself? And again, when I'm working with that ideal woman, she may start with uh, we, and I'm like, honey, it's not we anymore. It's just you. And so it's like, oh, and then you can just see them, their eyes light up and they're, yeah, I can do whatever I want now. And they get all excited about putting together a plan. And so we start talking about what those goals are and what's important to them. And then um, through, and so it's two or three conversations. And then I come back with some high level recommendations of looking at insurance protection, looking at cash flow, which that could be um, debt reduction as well. So coming up with a larger delta of money, monthly delta, and then talking about investments and the strategies that I want to put in place for investing for them. Looks like you've grown a lot in the last year or so. What would you attribute some of that growth to? What's Is there one thing you've done or that's really kind of propelled? There's a lot of advisors out there that, for obvious reasons, are looking to figure out how to grow in a healthy way. What do you think is helping propel some of your growth? I think it's support. Um, when you're an independent and if you're working all by yourself, you don't have anybody to push and prod and um, keep you accountable. So I think having that accountability partner, and maybe it's a spouse, maybe it's a best friend, but I think when it's somebody who's in the industry, I think that helps a lot. Um, I did the RPM program too. I think that is a great program. Thank you for doing that, Amy, and for supporting that. Um, I think it helps. It helps take uh, advisors to the next level, and it also gives you some more accountability partners too. The coaches were great. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Yes, for our listeners, RPM is Real Practice Management. It's Cambridge's Practice Management Program. And if you've listened to a fair number of these podcasts, there's a lot of people, a lot of graduates, um, or even those that are still in RPM that are getting the value of that kind of networking. So I'm glad it's working out for you. Yep. Love it. I was going to say, I love all the support that, um, that Cambridge offers. Thank you. I've never worked for another broker-dealer. So maybe I don't know any better, but I still think from the other people that I've talked to, and I meet other financial advisors out there, and I go talk to other financial advisors to hear their stories, they don't get the kind of support that I do through Cambridge. That's great. I'm, well, without you, we don't have a company so or a family or, a, you know, it's all about relationships. So I'm glad to hear that. The team that you've built there, where you said you all have your own clientele and your own businesses, but you work together. Talk to the listeners about how that works. Like, what are the things that you do together? What is the what are the okay. topics that you collaborate on? How often? And are you building succession plans amongst yourselves, or are each one of you trying to build that on your own? Yeah. So um, we get together once a week with everyone, and we talk about um, issues that could just be happening in the office about like the copier's not working properly. Um, and we'll talk about those things, but then we also do what I think is the most important piece of it is we call case design. 
one of the financial advisors will come in with a case, a financial client, and will come in without giving away names, but will come in and will say, um, this is their situation. This is where they're starting. These are the assets they have. This is what they've, what's going on in their life. And these are the goals that they're trying to accomplish. And through that, I can get other financial advisors, suggestions and thoughts and input, but I also am getting protection from our property and casualty insurance agent who's saying, hey, wait a minute, I see a liability issue over there. Our um, accounting person who's saying, hey, wait a minute, I think you could save them some money doing this on their taxes. And the estate attorney and their input on how we can mitigate um, risk and, and everything with them as well and legacy planning. So I'm getting all of this breadth of all of these other professionals helping me to put together the best plan that I can for my client. And then I show them everything and then I can make the introductions to those other, other services if they actually need them. But sometimes it's just helping me to understand it a little bit better so that I can guide the client in the right direction. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And what about the succession planning? Yes. So um, of the financial advisors, yes, that is our plan is for succession for each one of us. So we're building succession planning. We're um, doing protection with insurance in case we get, have to buy a book of business really quick because somebody something happens to someone. Yes, we're definitely each other's succession partners. Um, looking at building out, bringing another um, junior advisor into our group. So that also will help with our legacy planning as well. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing. It's always business segmentation is always an important one as people are trying to figure out how to build their business and you've got a somewhat unique one. So it's, it's, uh, I appreciate your sharing. Um, and then do you have staff, your own staff that support you? Do you employ certain roles yeah. that you can delegate to? How does that yes. work? We have an operations manager who um, also does reception too. And um, we also, and then we have a marketing person that works for us. And so we share, we share them here in the office. Well, that's wonderful. With your HR background, do you find yourself getting sucked into some of that part of it? <laughs> Absolutely. <Yeah. laughs> well, it's good that the team has you. Absolutely. We all, we all, um, we all have our strengths. And so we play to those. That's great. That's uh, that's a good point as well. Um, so let's switch gears. My other favorite area to talk about is to let people know out there that are listening and thinking about our, our industry, whether it be new entrant or second or third career sometimes. But um, we need to let them know that we can have fun and we have hobbies and outside interests as well. As hard as you work, you do many, well, not all, some of our financial advisors actually don't have another life, but it's by choice. They enjoy what they do enough that that's what they want to spend their time on. But how about you? Do you have any hobbies and interests? Well, I kind of feel that that's really exactly what I do is that I love what I do. And so I surround myself with people that I want to be around and they just turn out to be clients too. So what I'm doing is, is the best way to find clients too. I just do me and they come. And so it's networking, it's um, church, it's um, just being a community. I think I think that's probably what I do the best is bring people together and I provide community. 
I love it. That's Cambridge Stronger right there. And that's your authenticity value coming through as well, right? Um, you're just mm-hmm. going to be you and you're going to attract the clients that and friends that make a difference in your life. And we can only be fortunate enough to repel the ones that wouldn't. So um, <laughs> I love it. Um, is there anything about your journey and your story that I haven't asked you that you think the listeners would value from? I don't want to miss anything that you feel, you know, when you thought about getting ready to do this, you really felt like you wanted to share. Um, well, if anybody wants to have a virtual cup of coffee with me, I'll tell you my story about the map and the bottle of wine and how I got from Kansas to North Carolina. But <laughs> well, let's do it. I don't have a bottle of wine. I don't have a glass of wine for you, but we have some time. Share share with the listeners how that happened. So um, I, like I said, I was trying to figure out, um, I, it was time for a change. It was definitely time for a change. And I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew I needed to go someplace else. And so after my father passed away and I finished his estate, I sat down with my best friend, a bottle of wine and a map and a map of the United States, because I felt like I still needed to be able to drive home, but I didn't have a home anymore. There wasn't family. So it was, I was recreating my new home, but I looked at that map and I said, well, I don't like cold weather. And so I drew a line along I-70 and I said, nothing North. Then I started looking at the West coast and I thought, California, it's crazy expensive. It's going to fall off the edge of the earth someday. Don't want to do that. So it's gone. Arizona, New Mexico, Nevada, dry, desolate, no grass, old people. No. (laughs) Midwest. I grew up in Kansas. I lived in Missouri. I I thought about Dallas for a little bit, but I was like, Midwest, been there, done that. It's not going to be an adventure. So we're probably in the second bottle of wine. My best friend says, well, what about Kentucky? And I looked at her and I said, Kim, Kentucky is not an upgrade from Kansas. (laughs) No, no Kentucky, no Tennessee, cross that off. And then we looked at the Gulf Coast and uh, Louisiana and and Florida and Mississippi. And I'm like, I'm scared of hurricanes. I can't live on the Gulf Coast. And the bugs are really big and um, it's hot and humid. No, can't do that. So we crossed off all those states. And so I'm running out of wine and I'm running out of states on the map. And I'm looking at North Carolina. I don't know anything about North Carolina. I've never been to North Carolina in my life. And I looked at it and it was a little teeny tiny blurb on the map. And there were three dots. There was Wilmington at the beach. There was Raleigh-Durham in the middle. And then there was Charlotte, which is the capital. And it was kind of towards the West Coast. And I looked at her and I said, well, I don't want to live in Charlotte because there's mountains and that would be cold. I I can't live in Wilmington because there's hurricanes. So let's look at Raleigh-Durham. And I looked at her and after I'd been crossing off all of these states and all of these reasons why not to, I looked at her and I said, I think I'm going to Durham, North Carolina. And she looked at me like, why? And I said, because Debbie from Durham sounds good. And so after two bottles of wine and crossing off the map, I decided to go to Durham, North Carolina. But but then I actually, um, a week later, I got on a plane and I flew out here to investigate and checking everything out and driving around and exploring and the people that I met during the three days I was in town and the, the things that happened for me just opened my eyes to that this was, this was home and this is where I belonged and this is where I needed to be. So I 
I went back home. I told the owner of the construction company I was leaving. I sold my house. I sold most of my stuff. And I put everything into a U-Haul that I owned. And I drove out here eight weeks later. And I started with nothing. And I just made it happen. And look at you now. That's a very inspiring story. And hopefully, um, if there's some listeners out there that are struggling with, I mean, I, you know, I think your strategy was brilliant. Um, and you narr- it sounds like you narrowed it down pretty darn quickly in the end. <laughs> so that, that's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being on my podcast, Debbie, and sharing your whole your whole story and your whole journey. It's been really interesting to get to know more about you. Um, and we appreciate you greatly. I believe everything happens for a reason. It sounds like you ended up right where you were from a, um, a home perspective, as well as hopefully Cambridge feels a little bit like home as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Amy, very much for having me today. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. We are Cambridge Stronger.